You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident analyst, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore that ad. Well, today was a little bit of an oversleep day, so we're going to have to do some rapid fire once again. My apologies. It's pretty crazy, too, because I, I figured out how to turn up my alarms, and these things are blasting loud, and um, I missed apparently two of them. So I feel bad for you know anybody that I may have woken up and just let that blare for like a half hour. That's how you know you're tired, by the way. Like, there's, there's, like, I don't feel like getting up, you know, kind of mopey, whiny. I'm tired. Then there's, like, sleeping through all your alarms tired. Your body's just like, I don't hear nothing. That's when it's like, all right, this is, this is a problem. This is, this is tired. But at any rate, I think uh, we're going to have to just start flying into some stuff. Oh, first of all, let's start with this. Um, major bummer of the day. <laughs> Remember how the Chiefs cut... They're both their left and right tackle, and it's like, ah, ha, 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 you guys are going to suck now because they're one of the better tackle duos in football, and now your quarterback's going to run for his life. Well, apparently those two tackles are still floating around out there and can't find a job, and I wish they'd stop being so greedy and just take the first thing that'd come along. That'd be great because now you got Coach Andy Reid that's like, yeah, we might just sign him again. It's like, no, 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 no. Guys, 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 Eric, please. Please, Eric. I think like the Jets, I think the Jets need a tackle. They're going to be getting a new quarterback soon. The Jaguars, man. Ooh, you go. Trevor Lawrence is going to be real good. Nice weather. You should get going. Something to think about. Miami's got some nice weather. Tampa doesn't. Terrible weather. Rainy, sharks, don't go there. And I think Clearwater's where all the Scientologists are. So, I mean, you don't, you just stay away from Tampa and don't go back to Kansas City. Come on. Please don't do that. It's one of the greatest things that's happened this offseason is the Chiefs losing both their left and right tackle. It was actually interesting timing, too, because I was going through my uh, my official first-round mock. I don't know if it's my official official. I went through and did it. I'm going to hang on to it, review it, wait for some maybe some news to come out, things to change, whatever. In fact, there is something that changed, and I'm going to kind of see how this develops before I make this my official official first-round mock. But um, But I just looked, and I was like, did they lose both or did they sign them back or where did they what's going on with them I haven't heard anything and then like 20 minutes later it's like oh yeah Chiefs coach Andy Reid's like you might sign them back like I will just I will kick you so good but we'll see we can maybe compromise with one tackle that's it otherwise speaking of and this you gotta I'm telling you you gotta pay attention to this stuff if you're going to be doing mock drafts and we'll talk about that in a minute but um couple things popped up. Some of them are pretty serious. First of all, according to Daniel Jeremiah, there are some reports that medical issues have popped up for wide receiver Terrace Marshall. That's Terrace, not Terrence. Listen, I'm, I'm the last person on earth because I deliberately say some guy's names wrong, but it is very weird when I listen to some of the most prominent like NFL draft guys that are like, Terrence Marshall, like, dude, there's no N. There's no N in his name. It's just, I don't know, it's just weird. I think uh, Tony Pauline is the absolute worst. I, I have said guys' names wrong, and I like Tony, but I, I, I feel like maybe Tony, which he says he watches tape, and I don't understand that because if you watch tape, you hear the announcers. That's how I learn guys' names. I watch tape 
just to hear how the announcers say their name. Maybe the announcers say it wrong. I don't know. But they probably know better than, you know, me because I don't at all. But that guy says some of the weirdest stuff. And it's like, oh, that's how you say it? I, I, I was way off. And it turns out, no, you, you don't say it. So there's like the normal way that you would think you would say it. And then there's Pauline's way that he makes it up, which is not right. The normal way actually makes more sense. I remember when he was saying Caleb Fairley. And I was like, oh, dude, it's Fairley? I thought it was Farley. I'm an idiot. So I start calling him Fairley like on my YouTube channel and everything else. No, it's Farley. Why are you doing this to me, Tony? But apparently uh, Mr. Marshall had some issues, had some foot and leg injuries that did require surgery. Don't know for sure if these are kind of new issues. It says they popped up, meaning some of this stuff wasn't really known, but it, you know, you don't really know is it, you know, I, I broke my, I have medical issue where I broke my leg when I was like five. Doesn't really impact me very much these days. However, I also tore my ACL jumping off a car in college. That absolutely has implications. At least it did a lot more, you know, maybe not quite as much right now. But there's no ACL there. It never got repaired. So yeah, that's, that's going to cause an issue if you're trying to like play football and stuff. But apparently, and I, and I got to be honest. I'm growing increasingly skeptical of all these 40 times and everything because apparently Terrace Marshall um, at 6'3", ran a 4'3", which is just stupid. And it seems like more guys are running in the 4'3s than not. <laughs> it's like everybody's a 4'3 prospect. Like 4'4", four, 5'5 four, this year is like slow, which for the record is not slow. But anyways, apparently he did that, so I don't know. Leg seems to be working all right. The other pretty interesting thing... Um, this via Ian Rappaport, Ohio State quarterback Justin Fields is managing epilepsy, but it is not expected to interfere with his ability to play football. Now, apparently this shouldn't mean anything, but I, I don't know. I'm, I'm certainly not the foremost authority on epilepsy. I do know it's serious. So, I mean, I'm reading this and they're like, this is stupid. Epilepsy is no big deal. And it's like, yeah, kind of is. The beginning of this says, nothing says draft season like disclosure of minor medical details. <laughs> like, I'm sorry, that's not minor. I mean, the very next sentence here says, epilepsy is a neurological disorder that can cause seizures. How in the world do those two sentences go next to each other? Now, apparently, Ian Rappaport added that doctors believe Fields will outgrow it. Meaning, first of all, I mean, that's great news, but sounds like he hasn't outgrown it. I, I, I don't know. I, I've known one person that had it, and she was a little girl, and I know she wore, like, sunglasses. I never saw her have a seizure, but I know she did have them. Never happened, like, in front of me, but it does happen. So I, I just, I don't know. I, I guess I don't know. I don't know how serious that is. I don't know if it's, like, maybe once a year he has, like, an episode, and it's extremely rare, and it's something that he's doing that's kind of avoidable, and he knows how to not have those situations, and there's nothing, you know, like flashing lights at Lambeau that would cause a seizure. I mean, I guess he's been playing football, and I just, to my, if this is new knowledge, then it sounds like it's never been a problem, but it just seems, it seems serious to me. I don't know. Again, I have no idea. Also, why is the dryer running at my house right now? It's 4, 4.30 in the morning. That, that just, that just occurred to me. Apparently somebody got up at, at 3.30 and was like, I should do laundry. I don't, I don't understand what's happening right now. I'm so confused and kind of freaked out. Anyways, got a couple questions here from Ben. He says, I've just recently watched Sam Cosme for the first time and fall in love. I think he's my favorite offensive tackle other than Penny Sewell. How does he grade out in terms of zone versus gap? Better run blocker or pass blocker? 
So let's uh, see what PFF has to say about Mr. Sam Cosme. And that's it's a good thing that you like him because I was just looking at the latest rankings and whatnot. It looks like Tevin Jenkins is starting to get out of our reach kind of a thing. Uh, Mr. Cosme is still sitting kind of back of the first kind of area. So if we're going to get a tackle based on where the consensus rankings are, he's kind of the guy. But uh, let's take a look. Also, as a benefit, I don't remember who I've talked about and to what degree I've talked about them. So it's uh, it's like a new thing every time. 6'7", 309, 22 years old, out of Texas. Um, he has played left and right tackle, so he's got that going for him. He hasn't played right tackle since his rookie year, but he played uh, more at right tackle that rookie year than he has any other year. So in total, over 1,000 snaps at right tackle, 1,053, and then 1,548 uh, snaps at left tackle in 2019 and 2020. So he's got that versatility. You've got the consistency with the grades, um, but also getting better every single year. He went from a 79 to an 83 to a 90. His run blocking went from a 74 to a 76 to an 86. His pass blocking from an 82 to an 86 to a 90. So literally at every single level, he's gotten better every single year. Um, It's kind of perfect in terms of he's a better pass blocker than a run blocker, but a dominant run blocker all the same. I think if you were to parse that out, that's the way that you would do that. Like, if you had a guy that was a 90 and an 86, and you said, all right, put them where you want them, you put the 90 at pass blocking, the 86 at run blocking is the way that you do that, and then you're excited. In either way, is fine, but that's probably the way that I would do that. As far as the statistics go for looking at just true pass sets, which, as I've explained, is kind of just the ones that matter, right? There's a lot of problems with statistics because they don't always give a full picture. So what PFF has done is they've got the the true stats, which are he's given up two sacks, a hit, and five hurries uh, in 2020. As far as his true pass sets, which just think of it as like a normal play that you would expect, right? One-on-one, nothing crazy with the play, no fumbles, no anything weird, just like a normal rep. One sack, one hit, two hurries is what he gave up. As far as the zone versus power thing or gap, Um, They don't have grades in here yet. I think for the NFL they do, so I can't say where he's necessarily better, I guess. However, 77% of the time he's he's in zone, which is fantastic because that's about what the Packers do. In college, it seems like a lot of these guys are a little bit closer to 50-50. But um, in the pros and especially for the Packers, you're you're up in like the 70-some percent range doing zone. So that's what he does. So he's an elite player, an elite pass blocker, a very good run blocker for a pretty big program. That is 77% of the time in zone at 6-7-3-0-9. I mean, I understand why you love the guy. I mean, <laughs> PFF loves him too. He's a great fit for the Packers. Um, doesn't really have bad days. I mean, his worst overall grade in 2020 was a 71.8. His worst grade. Now, as far as run blocking, his worst grade was a 66. So kind of high average, 67 if you round it. But that's as bad as it got, and he had an 87 pass blocking grade. His worst, like... Overall game, that's 71.8 against Texas Tech, 67 run blocking, 75 pass blocking, aw shucks. So, I mean, he's just he's just solid, man. I mean, if, if you're going to find fault, you're going to have to read some um, some breakdowns or whatnot. My, my brain isn't working what I'm trying to say, but PFF isn't going to give you any help because as far as his grades and stats and everything here, there's nothing really uh, really wrong with him at all. Uh, his next question, he says, can you do a side-by-side comparison of Israel Makuamu and Enfedi Melfanwu? Which I always get these guys confused, but if you watched my kind of live stream or whatever, I was looking at the two guys, and Israel Makuamu is the guy that I like more. He says, personally, I like Melfanwu, and I think Makuamu is overrated. That's fair. I haven't watched either. As I said, I'm basically just giving up on watching film this year because I just, 
I can't get into it. I, there's this brand new PFF thing for college, and I'm immersing myself in it. And it's really helping me to kind of understand them better. Watching film takes to, so much time, and the amount of information I gather per minute is just way slower. Plus, I who cares what my what my assessment is anyway? I don't even care what it is. But it is fun to be able to like. I don't know. I'm just I'm saving that for 2022. But um, yeah, I, I don't care what people's uh, assessments are. But let me, let me run through it again, um, just so we can see as far as again what PFF has to say. I would go through their scouting report, but again, very short on time, and I don't want to have to pull it up and read all that and stuff. So we'll just do the the quick and dirty. By the way, I think Melfanwu is ranked higher. I can pull that up very quickly. Cornerbacks. So we've got, come on, scroll. Melfanwu at 60. Where? Oh, there's Makuamu has fallen to 137. So he's way lower. Why did he go so low so fast? I feel like I just, was that in the third round I took him? I thought it was in the second round recently. I don't know. So he's, he's fallen way down. But anyways. Obviously, everyone agrees with you. Melfanwu is better, and I, and I know that that's that's a thing. But anyway, six foot three, two thirteen, big guys. By the way, these are these are corners we're looking at. Um, out of Syracuse, he grades out fine. He's he's consistent. Uh, 2018, 19, and twenty three years, seventy five, seventy two, seventy eight. His coverage has always been solid. Seventy five, seventy four, seventy nine. I think it's Melf. Maybe I had it backwards. I'm pretty sure it's Makuambu. I like more. I don't know. Run defense, uh, 70, 62, and 72. So he had a dip in 2019. Um, doesn't sound like that's a massive strength, but for a corner, I mean, that's pretty solid for two out of the three years to grade out quite well. I mean, that's not your number one job as a corner, especially when you're solid in coverage. To have that as well is pretty impressive. Doesn't do a ton by way of, of uh, pressures, but he did get more opportunities in 2020. And uh, out of his eight attempts, he got home three times, two of which he got a sack. So that's kind of cool. Makuamu is six foot four, uh, two oh five. Maybe I did have this backwards. Um, real big dude. Yeah, that or I just wasn't thinking of a fatty. I was thinking of somebody else. But um, he's very similar to Melfanwu, with the exception of he had a really bad twenty twenty, and he's like an inch taller. He does. He is better against the run. Seventy three, seventy eight, seventy. The coverage has been fine the first two years. Seventy five, seventy two. Again, I don't know what happened in twenty twenty, but he had a forty eight coverage grade. So it kind of depends what you think about 2020. That's the first thing as far as the difference between the two. If there's some kind of a reason, some kind of an excuse, and you're not too worried about it, I, I would say the 2018 and 2019, I would take um, Makuamu. He's a bigger, more physical, better better tackling corner than Melfanwu is. Both of these guys, however, are very like consistently decent. There's not a lot of really bad games, obviously, outside of... Uh, and even Makuamu in 2020 had one bad game. Otherwise, it's like 50s and 60s, which isn't good, but it's like there's no big variance. It's not like 30s and 90s. It's not, you know, 40s and, and 89s. Both of them are like 72, 75, 73, 69, 74, just, just hovering in that range. So it's... it's consi- and both of them, I think, for, for that reason, would fit the mold of a number two corner for the Packers. I don't need you to be elite. I'd love it if you were, but if you can just be good and consistent, add in six foot four and a great tackler, sweet. So yeah, again, I think they're similar. Um, six foot three, two thirteen. Six foot four, two oh five. I mean, you could say Melfano was actually bigger, just one inch shorter. Um, uh, Makuamu is a better tackler. I think Melfano was probably safer. He clearly, I mean, if you if you watched twenty twenty tape and said you like Melfano better, that makes sense because he was. 
uh, again, PFF said Makuama was kind of terrible in 2020. If you want to do a side-by-side comparison of them at their best, um, I guess you're looking at 2020 Melfan Wu and uh, I guess 2018 or 2019 Makuamu. If you want specific games, see if you can find for Makuamu in 2019, either Georgia or Florida, and then compare that to Melfan Wu with either Clemson, Louisville, Boston College, or North Carolina in 2020. And that's something I will say too about Makuamu. Even if you go back to 2019, even though he had a 72 overall grade, he only had two games in the 70s, and that's Georgia and Florida. He had none in 2020. Uh, let's see what 2018 was. Two. So we're talking four games in three years. That's not great. Now, again, his overall grade is fine because none of these games are bad. 67, 64, 62, 61, 61. So it's all 60s. It's all average. And then you got these 70s. So overall, for whatever reason, because their grading system is strange, 75 overall. But there's not, I mean, on a game-to-game basis, he's almost never good in coverage. Now, that's that's grade-wise, not necessarily statistically, but it is kind of a concern you're looking at a guy that seems to be mostly a physical, attacking, tackling guy that's kind of just average in coverage, even though his overall grade is 75, when 90% of the time your grade is going to be average, I'm going to go ahead and call you average. So yeah, I mean, I, I don't exactly know why I thought what I thought, but just looking at them side by side, I think Malfonwu is, is the better player, which again, um, it looks like you're going to, I don't even know if Malfonwu makes it to us. It looks like he's back of the second round, so maybe he can make it to us if we wanted him. Um, not that the Packers have the same board as this consensus board, but just based on this, we're talking back of the second for Melfanwu. Um, yeah, Melfanwu. Makuama was at 137. So we can get him maybe in the fourth round. We have pick 136 in the fourth round. Again, doesn't mean he's automatically going to be there. He could be there in the third. He might be in there in the fifth. I have no idea, but I'm just saying that's the difference as far as how the general consensus sees these two guys right now. Back of the second compared to back of the fourth. Um, he also asked me to look at corner Diamador Lenoir. I don't know exactly how you say his name, but I'll tell you what, NFL prospects and their names, man, about 50% of them have names that I'm comfortable with. The other 50%, it's like, dude, I don't know. I have no idea. But he said, I saw a couple clips of him against LaVisca Chenault in 2019. How did he grade out in his game against Colorado in 2019? Can you see how many times he matched up with Chenault and how he did? Maybe. So 2019 Colorado, 70 overall grade, 73 run defense, 79 tackling, 67 in coverage, targeted four times, uh, two receptions for 24 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions, one pass breakup, 68.8 passer rating when targeted. Specifically against LaVisca Chenault, two targets, one reception, 15 yards, six yards after the catch. He did get a first down on that, um, and that's it. The only other times he was targeted twice uh, against Tony Brown, one reception for nine yards. So there you go. But yeah, Lenoir is another guy that um, he played in 2017 a little bit, didn't do all that great, but great against the run, great tackler, right? Just struggled in in coverage. 2018 and 19, great across the board. We're talking uh, 2018, 75 run defense, 83 tackling, 76 coverage. 2019, 82 run defense, 83 tackling, 75 coverage, real solid. 2020, bad in coverage again. Still great tackling, and his run defense went down a little bit. It was his worst, actually, in all four years. But super interesting prospect. Historically, very good across the board. Again, run defense, tackling, and coverage. 2020 was quite a bit of a blip, though. It was a little bit of a shortened season, but... I mean, it, it's also weird because his first game was Week 10. You know, I mean, that's that's got to mess with you. There's not a normal season where you start on this date, you get your normal practice and all that stuff. It's like, all right, Week 10, all right, we're going to have our first game. I don't know, man. 
I know some teams are saying they want to put a lot of stock in it, but at the same time, it's like, I just, you know, when you got a guy that's that good in 2018 and 2019, it's, it's hard to not almost completely throw out 2020, especially when it's like this. If you started, I mean, it would, it would almost be different if you played the exact same amount of games, but started week one and had a normal, like, you know, I don't know if you call it preseason or whatever they call it in college, but it's going to be hard to not throw it because that's, that's impressive what he's done uh, in 2018 and 2019. Anyways, that's it for Ben's questions. We do need to take a break. I actually need to be done right now, but we'll we'll forge ahead because it was a late start and whatnot. Big, massive, giant shout-out to Dead Mar- uh, Ted Todd. Jeez, not Dead, Todd. How do you get Dead out of Todd? Todd Marina for jumping in on the Patreons. Very, very much appreciated, my man. I thank you so much for that. We are now 14 patrons away from reaching our goal by the start of the season. Also... Uh, may be worth your while to start doing a two-round mock draft. We're kind of working behind the scenes on some kind of a big project where people submit uh, two-round mock drafts, we score them, and then there's a very, very big prize when it's all said and done. We haven't exactly worked out the details, but start doing your homework right now. Otherwise, let's take a break, and we'll be right back. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. By the way, we're a week away. Happy Thursday. Happy, happy, happy. Th- oh, man, it's just, we're a week away and it's Thursday. Dude, Thursday's so cool. Over that hump. I don't know why people get excited about hump day. Like, hump day is because the word hump is in it, you bunch of immature children. Yes, I said immature. It's, it's, let me just roll through it, all right? Grow up. I mean, the camel was cool. No question about it. The, the hump day camel was pretty sweet, but... I don't know. Maybe it's just a way to try to get over the fact that Wednesday is the worst day ever. Still far away. You're three days into the regular week and you're not close to the weekend. It's just the worst. So we just scream hump day at each other and hope that it brings a smile to our immature faces. All right, we got some questions from the Patron. 
you'd like to be able to jump in here, if you're already a Patreon patron, you can uh, find the Discord link and jump in. If you're not yet, again, a buck a month, you can jump in here, hang out, do whatever you got to do. Uh, Mr. Andy Monday says, concerning the 17th regular season game against the Chiefs, is the NFL looking for a neutral site? If so, then where do you think they'll play? Memorial Stadium in Lincoln, Nebraska would be an interesting spot. They're not doing neutral sites. I think what they're doing is they're alternating who's home and who's away. I think it's like AFC's, AFC, NFC, I don't know. But the point is we're just away. So we have, uh, you know, eight home games, nine away games is, I guess, the way that that's going to work. And then I think next year we're going to get an extra home game. So kind of stinks that the first year we go up against one of the best teams in football and it's away. So that's kind of brutal. But um, hopefully they had such a good season it's not really going to matter all that much. I don't know. I'm just excited that we get a 17th game. It's more football, more interesting podcast content, more good all around. That is my understanding, Andy, but um, I guess I haven't really researched it. I just I heard that somewhere, and I'm like, all right, that's the information. Jeremy asked a question that's um, somewhat similar to JJ's question, but I guess we'll just move it up a year. It says, where do you think Jordan Love would rank among quarterbacks in this year's draft class? I think it would be pretty obviously right after Mac Jones or Trey Lance or however you have your board, but you got, you got the big five, right? You got Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, Trey Lance, and Mac Jones. I don't think he cracks ahead of those guys at all. I mean, the easiest way to answer that question is he's going to get drafted in, the, drafted in the same spot. So he would be a nice gap filler in this particular draft where you've got um, Trevor 1, Zach Wilson 2, Justin Fields 3 on the consensus board, Trey Lance is 7th, Mac Jones is 13th, and then the next best quarterback is 81st. So he would be, you would actually probably maybe go a little bit higher because there's there's just such a lack of, of quarterback talent after the big five. Kyle Trask at 81, Kellen Mond at 90, Davis Mills at 102, Jamie Newman at almost 200. I mean, you get you get a guy once every like 50 players. It's it's pretty pretty sparse. So once Mac Jones or Trey Lance or whichever of those guys goes off the board, any quarterback that needs somebody um, is going to be really attacking Jordan Love. So I, I don't think he makes it to the Packers this year. Would be my guess for that reason. Depending on what teams need quarterbacks, I guess I don't really remember the situation, but. For example, in this year's class, you got Washington and Chicago would be all over. He wouldn't get past them. You've also got like the Saints that might be looking at him or whatever, you know, the, the Steelers possibly if they want to go that route and look for a replacement. So that's where he would rank. He would probably rank sixth, but I do think he would go earlier than uh, he went last time. Uh, Goose says, looking at the talent in the draft, defensive tackle is really shallow with three solid prospects followed by a bunch of Jags, which are just the guys. Um, could this point to the Packers uh, going with D-line in the first. I've thought about that. I think, you know, all things being equal, let's say you've got a bunch of guys that are about equally ranked and you have to make a decision which one to go with. I think you could make an argument that defensive, like let's say you've got one defensive tackle, one corner, one offensive tackle that are ranked about evenly and uh, they're sitting there at pick 29. I think it's possible the Packers would say, we know we're not getting a defensive tackle after this, so let's take them. Now, it's also possible that they say that it's not as big of a deal and we don't really need a stud defensive tackle. We can get one of the... Because remember, if you're just looking for a run defender, I think you've got some really good options. It's finding a complete defensive tackle that's going to be tough. And again, I've got two. People disagree. They'll add Davion Nixon. They'll add whatever. That's fine. I've got Onwuzurike and Barmore. And, and, And there's probably some other guys that you can throw in that have some potential, maybe... You know, Marvin Wilson, if he ever wakes up, I mean, he completely fell off last year, but he, he had it at one point. I mean, who knows? Maybe some of these guys might have the potential. Maybe it's a scheme thing. I, I don't know. I, I don't know. But I, I know you've got some great nose tackles. You've got some guys with some real ability. It's just, they're, they're, it's not super well-rounded ability. Um, Alim McNeil, 
Tyler Shelvin, guys like that and, and whatnot. So it's possible. It's also possible they just, you know, again, in that scenario with tackle corner and, and defensive tackle, the question would be, I guess, are they going to get cute and try to strategize, which I feel like is not what NFL teams would do, or are they just going to take what they think is best? For example, if they think offensive tackle is the, the biggest need on the team and they've got one of their highest ranked players as an offensive tackle, I believe what they would do is take an offensive tackle and not try to get cute. Because cute would be, let's take a defensive tackle because there's not going to be one in the next round, but there's possibly going to be one in the second round. And then hope that a decent enough offensive tackle is there in the second round, and then hope that a decent enough corner is there in the third round, or or however you want to break that up. Which, again, is one of the funny things about the draft, because no matter what you do, if you did a three-round draft, people are going to be mad at you. I saw somebody was mad at my three-round draft because I didn't have a corner in the first three rounds. It's like there's, there's no way to satisfy all the needs. We need an offensive tackle. We need a defensive lineman. We need a corner. We need wide receiver. We need a linebacker. Need in terms of either it's a need right now, it's a need next year, it's talent, it's depth, it's whatever. Need, need, need. Probably important that we get some edge help. You know, there's a lot of stuff, and we don't have enough picks. So if you're going to do a three-round mock, there's going to be a big need that you didn't address. So um, I, honestly, I'm kind of leaning toward they just don't really address it until later, and they don't get one of the big ones, right? Barmore's probably gone. Are they going to get on Wuzurike just because we know we're not getting another one? I would guess not. I think they're going to go with what they think is best, and they're just going to, you know, again, you just let the board and everything kind of dictate things. I could be wrong, and maybe some teams do that. I just think you're going to get bit, and I think general... Um, the, the general process, thought process, my, my assumption would be is that they don't play those kinds of games of it's a, it's a real weak defensive tackle class. It's a stacked offensive line class. So let's take a defensive tackle because you might end up really burning yourself if you miss out on your biggest need and get the most talented guy, because maybe we'll get a decent second round guy. I just, I don't see that really happening, but maybe, I don't know. That's not my guess though. So if they take a defensive tackle, my thought is it's just, it's the top player available that fits the biggest need or whatever. You know what I mean? That's my thought. I don't know. Anyways, I really hate to do it, but I, I, I see that there's a couple questions, but they're going to require a little bit of research and I don't have the time to do it here live. I, I really got to get going. I'm 15 minutes past get going time. So again, I apologize for the shortened episode. I will try to wake up at a prompt hour uh, tomorrow, but otherwise you folks have yourselves a fantastic day. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one and bye-bye.